You are listening to Grow a Thriving Practice podcast. This is episode 86, Navigating Technology with Michelle McGoff. My name is Jillian Faldmo, and I am the business and life coach for sound and energy medicine practitioners who want to turn their practices into aligned careers that point toward freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment. This is Grow a Thriving Practice Podcast. Hello there, my friend. I'm so happy to be here with you today, and I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this podcast. In this episode, you're going to hear a conversation between myself and Michelle McGoff, who is a member of the Grow a Thriving Practice community. She's also a certified biofield tuning practitioner, and she has had a large career in technology, over 20 years of experience um, in technical product management and technical solutions advisory. So she is like our tech guru. And I'm just so excited to have her on the podcast because she has so much to share. I asked Michelle to share the top five tech tips for sound and energy practitioners. Michelle offers classes, so if if what you hear is something you want more of, please go and visit her website at thepracticalcatalyst.com. And if you love this podcast, make sure you rate it in whatever, um, whatever app that you're listening to it through, whether it's Apple or Spotify. I really appreciate your ratings. All right, check it out. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I really wanted to have you on today because you've been providing so much technical assistance to our members and Grow a Thriving Practice. Lots of tips, lots of strategy to um, really leverage technology uh, to People who, I mean, as practitioners, you know, what we really want to be doing is the work. We want to be, you know, (laughs) doing the sound therapy and the energy medicine work. And when it comes to technology, that's where so many um, can get hung up. So you've been offering so much value within the Grow a Thriving Practice membership. And I wanted to have you on the podcast too, because there's probably a lot of listeners out there that could really benefit from some of your um, experience and wisdom here. So yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, So why don't you give us a little introduction, Michelle, tell us who you are and what's your background, how you got here. (laughs) Uh, Sure. My professional background is in technology. So um, I've been working in tech until I left professional tech. Um, I'd been working in it for over 20 years. And most of that time I had been doing technical solutions, consulting, and technical product management. So that's just 20 years of advisory, consulting, solutions design. Yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about what that even means. Like, (laughs) sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Before I get into what I do today, um, technical product management is basically taking ownership of a product, and that could be any kind of a product, um, and making sure that that product ideas, you know, are actually built and become real, that what it is that we build 
is validated, you know, that there's a customer that actually wants it and who we think is the customer, we want to validate that that customer um, has the problems that we're trying to solve with our product. So that has to be validated, built, and then after that product is available, it has to be launched, you know, marketed in some way so that those target customers can find it and actually benefit from what that product is doing. So that's what a product manager does is basically owns that entire life cycle of the product, its success. And, um, you know, the interesting thing about product management is nobody works for you, but you are completely responsible for the success of that product. So it can be a little stressful, but it's very fun and very satisfying. Mm. So how did you, okay, so you were um, a technical product advisor and then you transitioned. Now you're doing sound therapy. Tell us about that journey. Sure. Um, I've been working with tuning forks, I think since 2016, um, but I didn't go to take biofill tuning foundations until I think 2021. And um, up until then, it was just sort of a hobby. I would play around with the forks. I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, I didn't have a framework, you know, to use that. So um, I found Eileen's book, I think in 2016, um, when I was in Mount Shasta, just kind of taking a sabbatical from work and tore through that book and just loved it and um, realized that there was something to these forks. And so I did a lot of experiments on myself and my family over those years. And once I started um, with foundations, I was kind of hooked because I saw that having a framework around it really made it possible to affect change, not just in myself, but in others. And I loved it. And I just thought, gosh, how satisfying would it be to have that for a career? And, and that's just where it started. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. So you were, and what I, I, I know you from, um, grow a thriving practice program. So where you were was you were, um, offering tune-ups, but then you made this transition to offering technology assistance to practitioners. So tell us about that. It wasn't intentional at first. Um, I just couldn't help myself. You know, um, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I was helping people, you know, you go on the Facebook group for biofield tuning and people would report problems with Zoom, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about today. Um, or they'd report issues of you know, how am I going to build a website? Um, or even just for myself thinking, how do I want to market my practice? I started thinking about all the tools that I had available to me and I started researching how much does this cost versus that? How much does it cost me to have a website versus a listing platform? Or, you know, how much would it cost if I just used um, a link tree, you know, from um, uh, Instagram plus Calendly, you know, could I do it without a website? So I started looking at all of these different ways to, to launch a business. And then I realized I was creating product. Mm -hmm. along the way. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I remember in some of our um, sessions, you would just like, give me like one minute, like tech, like, I don't know what to call them. Like you would mention something about tech to me, like how I could use, uh, I forget what the first one was, but I was just like, wait, what? And you're like, I should be charging you for this. <laughs> you were totally <laughs> kidding, but it's like, I was she kidding. has a point. <laughs> 
I think it was something around, um, oh, oh, you were telling me about Zoom and how you can customize your waiting room experience. Uh, and I saw I that you did that. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I think most of the listeners here either use Zoom as a customer or they have their own. And when you join a Zoom, um, often the meeting isn't ready to start right away, especially if you show up early, like a good, you know, a good person does. Um, so there's this, there's this background that you can put up, a professional background. And so instead of it advertising for Zoom, you could put up a background that says, you know, welcome to our meeting, or you could put up a, a personal background that um, represents your business. And it's a much more professional experience, even though it's very subtle. Um, it does communicate a level of professionalism that, you know, it doesn't cost anything to, to add to your business. Yeah. And it was really quick. Once you told me about it, I got on and I found it. And within five minutes, I had my own personalized waiting room. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what you're current, like how you're currently helping practitioners navigate technology. Sure. So what I do as a technical product advisor is I am there as an educator to show how to use technology that's available to us and also an advisor to help someone get their offers launched online to help get them, you know, marketed and selling and fulfilled you know or delivered and i'm really focused on demystifying the aspects of that process i mean if you think about who we are as practitioners we are focused on subtle energies we are focused on um listening to what's going on in someone else's field we're, we're operating so far outside the mundane realm of technology that it's it's not something that i think most practitioners really want to focus their energy on um, so I, I saw that there was an opportunity there just because after doing it for so long, it comes naturally that the technology comes naturally for me mm -hmm. and the people that I'm helping are practitioners who wear all the hats in their business. Um, so these are, these are practitioners who aren't paying someone else to do their social media marketing. Um, they're not paying someone else to build or manage a website. And they basically tell me what services they have or outcomes that they want to effect for someone, um, either something they're offering now or what they would like to offer. And then I work with them to figure out what are the technical blockers between where they are right now and where they want their practice to be. And then I focus on making those blockers go away. So that can be either helping somebody craft the whole framework from, you know, the website all the way through to delivering with Zoom and figuring out all the automations that can happen in between. So they're spending more time with clients, or it might be helping someone take what they have already. Somebody has a website, they may not know all of the tools that are available to them to simplify the operation of their business. So I can help them figure out how to get more value from what they already have in their business. Can you give us an example of um, like, maybe a client that you've worked with recently, and of course you don't need to say any names, but how you help them with their technical strategy? Sure. Um, so I worked with someone who wanted to have a website, but was holding themselves back from doing it. And I, I think this is a fairly common challenge. Um, so this person had a 
a, a well-established practice and have been doing things other than biofilled tuning, but also provided biofilled tuning. And so they already had a, a business locally that was doing okay, but they wanted to get some clients, you know, worldwide or at least nationally. And they were having a hard time figuring out how to market to them, how to deliver to them. And they knew they needed a website, but just kind of holding back from that. Um, and, you know, this isn't a person that had, I would say, a lot of technical um, skill depth. And they had a tremendous amount of access with the website. And the way that we worked together in that case was I, I just showed up and was there to, to walk through that whole process of, you know, here's how you select a platform. These are the various platforms out there. These are the pros and cons. So let's think about those and then pick one. And then once she picked one, um, we went through just looking at templates, getting an idea of, hey, when somebody first comes to your website, what do you want that to, to look like? Maybe not so much the colors and the images, but how, how would you like that experience to be? Do you want to start with a welcome page? Do you want to start with um, you know, a list of all your services? How, how would you like that to feel? And so we use that to come up with um, a, a selection of templates and they picked a template. And I think at this point we'd maybe spent, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half together, not that much time. Um, we met the next day to just kind of get it started to, to fill out some of the content in the template. And then I think we didn't meet for another week. And at that point, <laughs> they had their website basically all filled out. And, and this is a really common reaction to building a website is that um, once you realize you don't have to write any code, when you realize you don't have to have a lot of um, you know, skill depth, you just have to have an idea of what you want the experience to, to be like, it's very easy to fill in the blanks with the information about your business. And um, then they got really creative and um, uh, supplied their own photographs instead of stock photos, which is fantastic, uh, selected a color palette. Um, and the best part is through the experiencing, we ran into that inevitable moment where we break something. And, um, you know, I could see the, the tension, <laughs> you know, kind of go across their face. And I thought, you know, this, this is the moment where you realize nothing is that bad. Um, whenever you work in a website, you can basically restore to the previous time that you published your changes. And um, now they are fearless. <laughs> Just going, uh, whenever, whenever they want to go in to make a change, they hit the publish button before they change anything make the changes and if something goes sideways, just revert back to before they started that session. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is a, a typical experience for someone who doesn't have a lot of uh, technical background, doesn't have updated, um, you know, the latest laptop, uh, don't have to have a lot of money to spend on content, you know, you can provide mm -hmm. your own. Um, and, and in the end, got services listed, um, uh, mailing list, you know, so uh, they've got a light box where they can capture uh, the sign in IDs of, or not the sign in IDs, but the first name and um, email address of people who might be interested to be in the newsletter. Mm -hmm. All of that is automated in the back end, and now they're sending out newsletters. You know, I mean, this, this all happened over the course of maybe two weeks while they were just 
running their business too. So it wasn't like they took a couple of weeks off to get this done, they just fit it in, you know, an hour here, an hour there. And pretty yeah. soon there's an online business, you know, yeah. and not everybody needs to start from, from scratch like that, but it, it isn't as overwhelming, I think, as um, someone might assume. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love hearing stories like that. And I think you're right. Like it's one of the things that really prevents uh, practitioners from doing what they really want to do is that, that fear of, oh my gosh, I have to create a website that feels so overwhelming and having someone like you be able to walk them through the steps and tell them even like, okay, so here's where you need to make a decision. Okay. Decision made. Here's where the next decision is like incredibly helpful. I love it. It's, it's fun. To uh, I have to oh, say, go ahead. Sorry. It's really, it's really fun for me too. And I think that's how this happened. You know, I had intended to only be providing biofield tuning, but I missed providing that other value that I had been doing for so long. And so I just found a way to translate that into energy practitioner space. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about it? Um, that, that moment of, I did it, you know, witnessing that. And I, I see that you get that too, in your, in your practice too. Yeah, I, you know, totally. you really enjoy celebrating the success of the people that you partner with. And I feel the same way. It's, um, that's the only word for it. It's, it's fulfilling. Do you, did you get that in the technology, the, like, you know, the big corporate technology world, the celebration uh, aspect? Yes and no. There, certainly, um, whenever you complete a project, I think most people have a sense of satisfaction of completing mm -hmm. the project. So, of course, that was always there. Um, but the effect is not as personal. Mm. Uh, when you're helping a, a large corporation or a late stage startup or, um, you know, a business partner, it's it's great because you're helping these people that you work with and and you at least I was connected to the outcomes for the the customer, you know, to help make their business life easier. But it just wasn't as close. We we weren't working one on one. And um I will say there's one thing that I don't miss and that is the chaos of doing um product management in a large corporation because there could be 60 people you know, oh that I would gosh. have to inspire to get stuff done who didn't work, yeah. for me. you know, <laughs> didn't have to do what I wanted them to do. Um, and that that would really lead to the experience of uh, honestly chaos, you know, new hires, people leaving. Um, not everybody is, is equally invested in the successful outcome. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's just very different. And when you work one-on-one -on -one with someone directly with the, the business that they own, mm -hmm. to be able to, to work with someone who is so heavily invested in a positive outcome is gold. I mean, that's what you really want in, in corporate, but you don't always get, you, well, you rarely, you rarely get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so much better. So much better. Yeah. It's wonderful. Awesome. Okay. So tell us about the, the other kinds of technical business problems that you help with? Well, um, I, I want to start with one of the conditions that I work with. And that, that is in, you know, in corporate, there's always a, a budget <laughs> to build uh -huh. a business. 
And um, in, in the energy practitioner space, a lot of people are starting or have recently started businesses without any operational budget. There isn't any capital to invest, or if there is, there's not very much. And that means there's a need to make very shrewd strategic decisions about where we spend our money, especially because when we buy technical solutions, we're not, for the most part, really buying them. You can buy a laptop, you can buy a phone, but everything else, you're pretty much renting it forever. You yeah, know, right. Um, the subscription model, huh? Always the subscription model. And those subscriptions add up really fast. So um, part of what I'm doing all the time, I, I don't really offer it as a separate service. It's just part of the it's part of every interaction is to figure out what's the budget. And, you know, it, sometimes the budget is even is actually higher than necessary. Do you really want to invest all of that in technology? You know, do you want to invest some of that into some other parts of your business? Let's let's think about that. But usually mm -hmm. it's how do we make the small amount of operational money that we have here, how do we make it last? How do we make sure that we don't purchase things that have overlapping functionality? Mm -hmm. A lot of these subscriptions you're in for a minimum of a year. I'll give a great example, stock photos. Mm -hmm. um, if someone is just getting started and they don't know about the different sources of getting images and they haven't thought about, you know, taking their own pictures or their own art. It's, it's really easy to go to Shutterstock. I'll use that as, as an example because it's popular I, and I, I do use it. Um, Shutterstock has all of these photos. I mean, I think the last time I checked, they had something like 140 million images available mm. that you could purchase. And you can get a subscription from them, but it's a minimum of a year and there, there is no early exit. If you want to leave, you're going to pay a fee, which is the rest of your subscription <laughs> right now. Um, so then, you know, if, if this was the mistake I made, I started with Shutterstock and I knew how to create a website. So I was creating a website and then I found Canva later and realized that almost all of the images from Shutterstock were available in Canva. And as long as I kept my Canva subscription up to date, I could use those images. Now, Shutterstock, I think the, the subscription I had for maybe 25 images a month was, I think, around $30 a month. Canva is $12.99. Yeah. You know, you know, just do a little math there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's some things that Canva doesn't have that Shutterstock does have. Um, and that's where you have to think about, all right, do I really need them both? If money's tight, can I just get by with one? Mm -hmm. um, and if I can afford both, does that make sense? Am I going to use Shutterstock to its fullest value while I use Canva? Um, this is a really common, a common challenge. So, and that's the client I'm focused on is that that client that doesn't have the operational budget to pay somebody else to figure that all out for them. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't want to mix my messages here. So let me back up. The, there are lots of clients out there. We've all figured that out when we're um, running our businesses and we want to focus on the client that's best for us. Um, I am working with people who want to manage the business themselves. 
either because they want that level of influence and control or because there's a budget constraint and they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone who is overwhelmed by the idea of a website, they can easily go to a service that will build and maintain it for them. So profitable wellness is a great example of that. They do a mm-hmm. wonderful job. Um, not everybody can afford that when they're starting, especially if they haven't planned for it. So that's, that's where I am coming in is, you know, how can you get your business launched on a pretty tight budget? So that's, that's, that's the condition. Um, the first thing that usually comes up is the website. And as you know, we don't start with a website, we have to start with a product. So I have referred people back to you (laughs) where, uh, you know, someone's not quite ready. They don't have a product that they're ready to sell. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not here to help you decide what it is that you want to offer. Um, I'm here when you know what you want to offer and you want to get that launched, I can help fine tune it, but, um, deciding what somebody should offer in their practice is not my, um, not my special skill. Yeah. So, um, once we figure out that someone has a, um, has a product, then we have to figure out what are they able to do right now? And usually they're able to deliver the product just fine, um, but they may not have a place to list those services. And that's when we have to look at the options. Mm-hmm. You know, so it may be a website, it might be heal.me, you know, a mind body. Um, there are options apart from a website. It could be a link tree, you know, in Instagram, if that's where all your clients are and uh, Calendly. You know, we have to figure out what's going to be the best fit there. If they've got a website or if they have a listing platform, then the next question is, you know, if you're calling me, is it that you don't have enough clients? Then we have to talk about marketing. And um, that's something that you offer actually quite a bit of advice in marketing. And I want to touch on this, um, which is the freebie. Mm -hmm. freebie. Oh, yes. I love talking about freebies. Why don't you start? Talk about the freebie. (laughs) Well, a freebie is a great way to get your ideal clients or your potential clients um, trusting you, trusting you as a practitioner, right? It's something that you offer them of value, but you offer it to them for free. In exchange, we hope they give you their email address and their name so that you could start to grow your email list and actually... I just did a podcast on, so if you listen to the podcast episode prior to this one, I talk a little bit about um, why we want to grow our email list. So you can go back there before, you know, I ramble on about it here. Um, But uh, yeah, it's so ideally, it's something that they can digest really quickly. Um, You know, I had a freebie once actually not that long ago, that was like 28 pages Um, and I was like, okay, how can I condense this into one page? And that's what people want. They want quick results. They want something that they can just consume and get benefit from right away. So that might look like a meditation, um, you know, five minute tune up, uh, you know, a PDF on emotional health, you know, whatever it is that you can think of. And that is one of the things I help, uh, my clients create in the grow a thriving practice program. So Michelle, tell us, tell us your thoughts on them. Well, I agree with you about the freebie. I have a different word for it, but that's only because it's been pounded into my head for the last 20 years. And, um, we call it a lead magnet. Mm -hmm. So a lead is someone who is not currently a paying customer, 
but has expressed interest in what it is that we offer. And so we want to find a way to start communicating with those leads in order to convert them into a paying client. Right? I mean, it's, that is, it's, it's not all of marketing 101, but um, it's a fundamental way, especially for an online business to um, attract new traffic to your site or to where it, wherever it is that you're hosting that is actually interested in what you have to offer. When someone's interested, then the chance of you um, wasting your time communicating them, <laughs> communicating with them is much lower than just spamming a hashtag on Instagram. Yes, right? exactly. So, right. So the thing with the freebie is you can offer a freebie anywhere. And I see this on Instagram all the time. DM me for this PDF or comment ABC for this free thing. And it works, but what can happen is we're in Instagram all day long, slinging freebies. And what we really want to do is let our technology work for us. So if you have a website or if you have the ability to host a landing page, which you can do without having a whole website, that's, that's a whole separate that's a whole separate podcast in its own. Um, but you basically need some some place on the web that has a URL where you can guide people to where the freebie is located. And you would want to have a form there where someone can put in their contact information. And when they do that, they can get the freebie. They either get a download link or an email with the freebie or something like that. Um, when we do that, we've we've automated the, I'm going to call it the freebie slinging, right? We don't have to be in, in the DMs and the comments all day long. It's working for us, right? That, that, is, that is an example of using technology to help us. Now, once we have their contact information, then what? Someone might say, I could send them a newsletter. Sure. You could send them um, communication expressly about how to get more value from that freebie. Though, mm -hmm. that uh, you wouldn't need to send to your already paying clients. So I don't know, you know, if you're, if, if you're getting it, the idea is that we take, we can take someone's action of filling out the name and email address. We automate the delivery of the freebie. And then with the technology of most websites, you can either integrate an app or you can bring in a third party mailing list app. Um, I, I like to talk about Wix because it's built in, um, but you don't have to use Wix in order to do this. You basically can, can put that, that freebie traffic into what's called a funnel. Now, I'm not going to get real technical here, but if you think about a funnel, it's very wide at the top and narrow at the bottom. And we would want to use communication to guide that lead down to the bottom of the funnel where they are buying from us. So we can have a communication with them that's automated that sends them information over a period of a week or two weeks or whatever we think is going to convert that person to buy the service that we want them to buy from us um, by providing value from when they come into the top of the funnel to the point where they recognize the value of what it is that we're offering. And then at that point, we pitch it to them. There are many, 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 many ways of going about this. But I strongly recommend using technology to automate as much of that as possible. Yeah. 
you know, one, because if you have a website, you probably already own these abilities, or if you don't, it's a, a minimal, you know, a monthly investment to upgrade it. Um, and the second is we're in the business of providing services. We're not in the business of marketing. So mm -hmm. we want those tools to do that work for us so that we are available to provide our services. <laughs> no, Amen. Um, right. So it's not really that hard to set up. The hardest thing is to, is really to develop the communication flow, what it is that you actually want to say and what is the additional value you want to provide. And they're never perfect the first time, um, but they're very easy to customize. And it's, it's just really a series of, of little automations that say, Hey, you know, if, if somebody's got this freebie, let's, let's tell them something next, maybe tell them how to use the freebie. And then the next step might be to check in a couple of days later to nudge them and see, did they find success or do they need more help? And we can track if they open that email, right? If they're still yeah. opening that email, the door is still open for us to communicate yes. with. Them. So then we, you know, maybe we want to send them some extra value. Maybe we send them another freebie or we send them um, a link to purchase something very inexpensive, you know, yeah. to test water. So maybe, you know, buy this video or um, subscribe to this monthly group tune or something like that. And then we can track that. And then depending on what comes out of each of these interactions, we can have the technology automate what we want to have happen next. So we have just this really nice flow. And I don't think there's anybody listening to this podcast that hasn't experienced that at one point or another. They may not be aware, but you know, you've probably seen automated emails come after you signed up for something for free. And if the content was good and was really targeted for you, if you were indeed the ideal client, you probably found a lot of value there and mm -hmm. there's a good chance, you know, you purchased. So, um, this is really just harnessing technology to do something that previously we would have to remember to do manually. Yeah. Right. If you yeah. give somebody something free in, in an Instagram DM, you give them the link, then you have to remember to check in with them in a couple of days to see how they're doing. You have to remember to add them to your mailing list so that they get your newsletter. You have to remember to track where you found them. So later yeah. you can check to see, hey, which of the things I'm spending my time on are actually paying off. So right. I'm doing what I usually do. I can go off and many directions. From well, here. I think this is really important <laughs> because it might sound like a lot of work up front to, you know, figure out the automations and decide what you want to send. And it, it is, but it's that work up front and that, that thought and that planning up front that saves you so much time in the long run and really allows you to do what you love to do, to practice you know, your skill, practice your trade and not be in front of the computer day in and day out, trying to figure out how to get more clients in the door. So super, super valuable information. What other, um, what other gaps are you seeing, uh, Michelle with practitioners? Other two, um, one of them we really need to talk about, but is going to surprise no one is zoom. <laughs> Getting great audio in Zoom. Um, I looked in the Facebook group and it was the number one most reported tech problem in the biofield tuning Facebook group. You know, how do I get my Zoom? First of all, I love, I love your researching mind that you're like, <laughs> let me go in here and see what are people having a hard time with? I love it. Okay, go on. 
<laughs> well, we should all be doing that. And I, yes. I, can, I can teach people how to do research to find out if what we're offering is solving a problem that has enough you know, people to sustain a business. And if not, then we have to, you know, we have to look at that, look at uh, reframing that. I mean, biofield tuning obviously will work for anybody. So it's, it's really just a matter of reframing it. But yeah. back to Zoom, what's the number one response to I'm having trouble with audio in Zoom? Have you tried original sound? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't use that voice maybe. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes original sound will make things sound better, but that is definitely not the solution to all Zoom audio problems. Mm -hmm. um, it really, you have to know what kind of a microphone to be using, and it doesn't have to be an expensive one, but you have to understand how microphones work in order to pick a good one. Um, and that's, I don't know why, you know, if you go on, on Amazon and look for a microphone, the way that the specifications are described doesn't help anybody understand whether it's the right microphone for them or not. So I teach that it's really not complicated. I have a class that that covers it, which I did in beta in your community. And I appreciate that. Yeah, so did we we really appreciated that That's I fine. learned a lot of, about zoom. I learned from you why original sound doesn't always work because in my practice, I do remote sessions. And one day original sound was working. And then the next day, it wasn't. And I got a lot of insight from you onto why it wasn't and, and, and even more about, you know, how, where you record your, if you're doing a recording, where you record your session, whether it's on your computer or via the cloud is going to impact the audio as well. Yes. <laughs> that was really interesting. Yes, yes it will. <laughs> um, I, I love giving that class because the best part is the demo you know, uh, going through and hearing how different, how different microphones sound and different settings in Zoom, how that can change it is, is really fun. And um, the first time that I did it, I recorded it for myself at home to hear the difference. And it just blew me away, you know, um, because when we're listening at home, we can hear how we're in the room. <laughs> you know, so we can hear how it sounds to us, but we don't know what it sounds like to someone on the other end. So I, I, I did that and was like, okay, I, I know how to, how to optimize my setup now. Um, so that, that's a big one. Um, and even in that class, I talk about prices, you know, the prices of this kind of equipment versus that kind of equipment, or if you're moving around, like we do in biofield tuning, we need to use different equipment than if we're in one place, like if we're um, doing a sound bath and we're just kind of maybe taking a couple steps to the left or the right. So. Um, it's not rocket science, but it's just something that I, for some reason, I don't see anybody else really explaining how to do that. So I, mm -mm. I love to do that. Yeah. Um, there is, there's one other gap though, um, that we do need to talk about. And it's something that is, um, it's not a very popular subject I've tried, um, to make it popular. Um, but it just kind of falls flat in my target market. And that is device and data security. Yeah, when you oh, mentioned that the other day, <laughs> I just was like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so please so, talk about it. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so business transactions in 
and they can be little ones. It doesn't matter if they're on Venmo. It doesn't matter if somebody gives you cash. If you are running a business and you are either marketing to someone to try to get them to purchase from you and you get their email address, let's say, or if you give somebody a session and they enter in their credit card number on your website, there's usually not too much to worry about there because the website takes care of it. But what if we type it in on our end? You know, I have clients that don't want to type it in. They, they tell me and then I put it in my point of sale. Um, anything as little as a name or an email address or, or just a physical address, this is personal, personally identifiable information or PII. And if we have a business and we have PII about someone, there are regulations in most parts of the world about how that data is handled. I understand that you know most people are aware there are regulations about credit cards, but I think a lot of people don't realize that just giving someone your email address as part of a business exchange, even if it's just for marketing, like you know getting that email address in order to give a freebie, mm -hmm. that is regulated. And, you know, all of us, we have personal data about our clients, their names, we have their email addresses, we have in some cases, um, you know, medical information, we have information about their families, we might know about some of their uh, medical conditions, um, some of their maybe prescription medications, whatever that person has shared with us. If we take physical notes on paper, if we type it down in our, you know, laptop, if we save it to, I don't know, Google Drive, we are custodians of that data. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We are responsible for it. And I, I don't want to go real deep into this because this is not the place, but I will touch on what I have found across many small businesses. And so I'm not picking on the energy practitioner space. This is just small businesses in general. Is that a very large percentage of us small business owners are using equipment and software that is not up to date either because it's too old to update. Mm -hmm. So like that old laptop that is so old that, you know, Apple and Microsoft aren't- They like gave up on it. For it anymore. Yeah. Uh, or that old operating system that Chrome and Firefox can no longer provide updates for. So that could be one reason. Or it could be that, you know, we just can't be bothered to update. You know, uh, I could be in Chrome and see that there's a Chrome update and I can decide do I update yeah. it now or do I do it yeah. later? That's a decision that we're making. And some people just don't know. <laughs> you know, they just don't know that that's something that we need to be doing. Um, I don't think that, you know, the authorities are going to come knocking on your door about this. But imagine if you were compromised, if your device was compromised, that means all of your client's data was compromised. And that's something we don't want to do. So as a community, I really think we need to start talking about this and figure out how we can do better. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. How, how, number one, I want to know how we can do better, but also like when you say compromise, what do you mean? What happens or what could yeah, happen? Sure. You know, my business was a target of a phishing scam a couple of weeks ago. And, um, I created content about it to raise awareness. I'll, I'll talk about just briefly about this phishing scam just yeah. to give an idea. So a phishing scam is something that an antivirus is not going to protect you from. You know, Anti-malware is going to typically protect you from it either. Um, it really just takes understanding of how, what a phishing scam is, how it works, 
and being vigilant and not letting not letting ourselves be sort of psychologically hacked by these types of scams. A phishing scam is basically a thing that it it tries to look like something legitimate. And in my case, I got a message from Facebook saying that one of my posts had a copyright issue. Mm. Now, the likelihood of me having a post that has a copyright issue, unless it was a, you know, a, like I had posted somebody's music, which I hadn't, um, is pretty low. But I had just scheduled through Instagram, which uses the Facebook business account, I had just scheduled nine posts to, you know, go on to Instagram at various times over the month. And I thought, well, it's, you know, it's plausible since I just posted so much content. I was at the supermarket when I got the message. So on my phone, I tried to click on the link and it looked like a Facebook page, you know, and it's on my little, my little phone screen. I don't have the, the big, you know, pro phone. I have the normal size one on my little screen. Yeah. I couldn't really, you know, see, I clicked on the link and um, the browser on my phone said invalid URL. Now I was stressed out about this situation. I was worried that if something happened to my Facebook business account, that I would no longer be able to schedule posts to Instagram right. because it's a requirement, you know, and yeah. I thought, oh, no, every time I want to post something, I'm going to have to do them one at a time. And I didn't want that. So, um, I saw the invalid URL in my phone and I didn't connect the dots. I hadn't, I hadn't been fit. The only phishing experience that I had received in the past, I don't know, 10 years was the, when you work in corporate, the corporate security, they, they test you, they'll send you phishing scams to your email to see how well the business does at recognizing a phishing Goodness scam. gracious. You know? So, because they, they want to train people to not fall for it. Yeah, so, yeah. And I hadn't seen anything like that in a while. So I just was out of practice and I let fear sort of take the wheel in this case. So the invalid URL should have told me something right there. Mm. Um, when would there ever be an invalid URL in Facebook from something legitimate? Right. Never, never, right? That should have been enough for me to say, oh, that that was just a scam and just move on. Mm -hmm. But I, it was really bothering. Your emotions were, yeah. So I went home and got on my, um, I have a little MacBook Air. It's very old that I just use for browsing, but I do keep it. I do keep it up to date, up to date. And I went to the link on um, on that device, and on that device, I was able to get a little bit further, and it, it got it brought me to this link that looked like a Facebook post, which is not not where a copyrighted you know strike is going to show up. It's not going to look like right. a post. It's going to be in the you know the account settings. But I'd, I'd never had one before, so I didn't I didn't know. It looked yeah. like a post, and it said you have to click this link to fill out this um, appeal form. So I thought, okay, so I clicked the link to, to um, follow the appeal form and didn't even notice that in the, in the browser address, um, instead of m.facebook.com, it said um, like max.facebook, you know, it was basically like it was a URL that was not like I should have looked like it, that, right? Especially in tech, right? I should have recognized that, but I didn't. And um, I clicked through and I almost got to this form that they wanted me to fill out. 
and my browser finally said, whoa, it, you know, my Chrome browser just turned red, like the whole screen turned red. I have, I have pictures of this in my blog. It's, it's pretty fascinating that I missed so much of this. Um, but thankfully, because I keep my browser up to date, Chrome said, no, 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 you're, you're not, you're not going there. Um, yeah. So then I was just curious, right? At this point, I knew it was a scam. So um, I created a, I just opened a virtual machine, which I don't expect any practitioner to do this. All right. This is, don't, don't feel deficient if you don't do this. <laughs> I just Thank opened you. a virtual, virtual <laughs> machine, which is just like a, it's just, it's a, it's a computer that I can just, you know, vaporize like instantly as soon as I'm, I'm done with it, but it's, it's just a virtual, it's not a separate laptop. So I opened that up and then I went, I clicked past the Chrome warning to see what it was that this attacker wanted me to do. You know, what was on this form? And they wanted me to provide my legal name, address, phone number, business phone number, business name, business Facebook profile, Facebook profile, Instagram profile. They basically wanted me to give them all of the information about my personal social media account and my business social media accounts. Yeah. And if, depending on how people create passwords, they can figure out your passwords, you know, uh, depending on the psych psychology of how you choose your passwords, they can figure that out and basically hijack your whole, your whole social media. So that's yeah. what they were trying to do. And the only thing that saved me was that I kept Chrome up to date. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't done that, um, who knows what could have happened to my data. Yeah. Wow. Right. And, and in my Facebook account and in my Instagram account, I have information about clients. You know, I have DMs between myself and clients. I have DMs between myself and people that are prospects for me. And so it could be very easy to say, well, all that information is stored on Facebook or it's stored on Instagram. It's not on my laptop. So, you know, I'm not storing anything on my laptop. It's all in, or it's all in Google drive. Now, if, if you're, if you get compromised, all that they need is a path to get to where the data is. It doesn't have to be stored on your computer to be compromised. You know, so the things that we can do is obviously patch, <laughs> patch Chrome, patch Firefox, um, keep your operating system up to date. If you're out, if your device is too old to update, I know it's expensive, but it's time to start thinking about wh what are we going to do about that? You know, yeah. um, then there's also um, multi-factor authentication, which um, it's also called MFA for short. MFA is where when you authenticate to something like I think most banks do this if you want to go to your online or view your bank account online you put in your username and your password and then it maybe texts you a code or it sends you something to your email another link that you have to click in order to get through that's multi-factor authentication you really want to turn that on everywhere and I know that people don't want to do this because it takes extra time. It means every time you want to authenticate to something, it's an extra step and it's annoying, <laughs> you know? Um, but when you have MFA set up, it is very difficult to compromise your mm -hmm. data. It's, you know, it's this extra step that requires this intervention that the attacker is likely not going to have access to, you know? Yeah. They, so they like if you have, have if sorry, you have that set up on Stripe or PayPal or Square or any of those, like everywhere. you don't have it set up. It's, it's easy for them to get in there and maybe even get some credit cards, credit card numbers from your clients. 
credit cards, maybe, maybe not. Um, usually the way that credit cards are processed and handled, that data is typically encrypted. It's quite hard to get to unless you saved oh, it somewhere. You know, if you save, if you saved it somewhere. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know, um, but I think most of us aren't saving credit card information, but even just personal information, the name and email address that is, you know, federally regulated. It's regulated in Europe, most parts of Asia. Um, we can't be, we can't, we can't put that data at risk. And so it's, it's a matter of just having good hygiene, just like you lock the door before you leave your house. You mm -hmm. know, if that lock broke, you would replace it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same thing with with your operating system and browser. The lock breaks when it's out of date. You know, if, if there's a patch, that's because there is some kind of an exploit out there that can get into whatever version you have of Chrome or Apple or Windows. So we want to update that in order to protect ourselves, our own data and our clients data. That that is the best place to start. It is the number one way to reduce the um, vulnerability footprint of our devices is just patching and phishing though um phishing involves a combination of some technology hacks and um it's, it's social engineering is what it's called where they trick you into thinking that they're a trusted source that yeah. you can your information to and that's that's the one that there's no patching around it so it's important to and take they are prevalent they're everywhere. everywhere. It is the number one most reported crime um, by the FBI Cybersecurity Division. I think um, and it largely goes unreported. So um, I think last year, I don't remember the stats, I had them somewhere, but it was like 617,000 of these were reported. And think about that, they usually don't get reported. So that might not sound like a lot. I, I would assume that it's at least 10 times that that occurred. Mm -hmm. um, the average loss of of a successful phishing attack for a business is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and for an individual is six hundred. And I I would say for an individual that's probably largely related to either um, identity theft and having to recover, you know, legal fees or any fees re recovering from that, or any yeah. anything that you'd created that you lost, you know, and had to recreate. So um, it's out there. It's not a fun subject. When I when I when I put um, information about this on LinkedIn, this content always does really well. People love security on LinkedIn. My clients are on Instagram. Yeah, I'm one of those clients. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Whenever no, this is a about really that. important conversation, I'm actually like, that's pretty. That's a gift to all of us that this that you had this experience that you were you know almost you know, attacked and because yeah. you were attacked. Yeah. Because, because you're able to bring that experience to light for all of us and make us all aware. So thank you. Yep. Um, so wait, so when you say you were attacked, did they steal anything from, or like, did you, the attack failed? Okay. But only it, not because of me. I mean, I was helping them along. You yeah, know, because I of fell, Chrome. Yeah, I fell for the social engineering, but I did keep Chrome up to date. Um, and that is the exact reason why my, my phone browser said invalid URL, it, it recognized immediately, but I just didn't want to believe it. I wanted to believe the idea that my business was legitimately at risk. Mm -hmm. and that's where my head was at. Yeah, they're good at that, aren't they? They are. Yeah.
Okay. What other tips do you have for us? I know you wanted the top five tips. So the first one, since we're talking about it is patch your devices, um, patch your operating system, patch, you know, your browser and, um, just take, take 10 minutes to learn how phishing works. I have a blog post about it. You can look at, but there are many, many sources on the web that will explain phishing attacks and it's P H I S H I N G. Um, like the band, like the band, only <laughs> a verb. <laughs> um, so, so that would be number one. I, I strongly recommend enabling multi-factor authentication for all your logins. That is the number one thing you can do to prevent being um, breached online. So, you know, like password, um, password hacks, those types of things uh, really are generally not successful when you have MFA enabled, but I understand people don't want to do it. So what will often happen is we wait until something does successfully get us before we become security minded. That's, that's what most businesses yeah. do because it's, you know, security is no fun. Security doesn't, you know, it doesn't pay the bills. It's not going to bring us more leads, but if we're insecure, we will lose business. And we, you know, we, our, our clients may not trust us if, if their data is compromised. So we have to think about it more like insurance, um, instead of as an, an investment. Mm -hmm. um, so that's number one. Number two, don't be afraid of managing a website. It's, you know, find somebody to show you how I can do it, but there are lots of people out there that can show you how to um, build and manage a website. If you can afford um, a done for you service like profitable wellness, that is great. And I, I'm not suggesting that their prices are, uh, you know, high. It's just you would have to pay, you know, for someone else to do it for you. And if you can't, you then your choice is to do it on your own. Um, but get it done because you will do a lot more business when your clients can self book, um, if you want that, um, you can do more business because you can have the automation for your freebies. Um, it will help you with uh, getting your newsletters out there. There's just so many more things to it than just listing your services. And it's a really, it's a really fun way to um, express the individuality of your business, which you can do with you know the colors and the fonts and the images help to communicate along with the words that you use. And there's something that I think most practitioners find kind of enjoyable about that. Um, the third one is you have to master the art of Zoom audio if you are giving virtual sessions with any kind of an instrument. Um, we know that a virtual session is effective, even if the audio isn't good. Um, but it's getting to the point where it's all, it's, it's, sort of expected that the audio will sound pretty good. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to do that. You just have to really understand how Zoom works and how the microphones work, and then you can make good choices about how you wanna set that up. And then I just have two more. Um, fourth one is get your freebies out there. Get them out there, get them automated, start collecting those names for your mailing list and start thinking about leading new prospects or new leads, think about leading them down a path to purchasing the services that you really want to sell. Think about how that might work because that is the hardest part about setting up a funnel. It's not the technology that I can show you how to do that. That's that part's easy. It's um, what do you want to say or what do you want to offer in each one of those interactions? That's the hard part. Um, mm -hmm. And so sometimes, sometimes it's hard to understand until we set it up and we start, you know, emailing ourselves and seeing what it looks like. 
and then um then the light bulb usually goes on it's like oh okay right i know what, i know what i want to say now now that i've experienced what that that journey is like so that's it that's that can be fun too not as much fun as setting up the website but it can be fun and the last one is something we didn't touch on is to be open-minded and curious about ai ai yeah. is not a fad um it is literally changing everything um and it is going to change the world um and i'm not a big proponent of ai i'm not particularly excited about what some of those changes might look like but it's not going anywhere um and so it's you want to start learning how to use it uh, you've probably heard of chat gpt um i recommend using it and I do have a class um, that covers what AI can do for you. And then I have another creative writing class where you can take um, something like GPT and use it to generate really interesting copy for you. And I, I even have a presentation where the whole presentation, just as an experiment, was done. I mean, I put the images in there, but um, the whole presentation content was done by AI just to see, could anybody tell? You know, did that's cool, right? Um, there, there are ways to prompt it to get it to sound like you, and it does write better than us. Um, so what I like to use it for, and this is just an invitation if you want to try it out, is get out there, create an open AI account, and get on Chat GPT. You can do it for free, and just start interacting with it. You don't have to know any code. You know, there's no, you don't have to overthink anything. Just start interacting with it and start asking it to help you with things. And you'll be very surprised. Um, what I personally love it for is I know what I want to say and I have all these details, but I don't know how to get it distilled down into a cohesive, maybe mm -hmm. small paragraph as I tend yes. to, if you can't tell, I tend to over, over talk. Um, and it's really good at summarizing and just bringing in the right details. And it's very good at coming up with a conversational flow Yes. So yes. For that. That's what I use it for. And actually you told me about chat GTP and I was like, what you can <laughs> do what now? And I got right on it and I've been using it a ton to help me with copy, especially with podcast episodes, helping me sometimes, not every time, but sometimes generating the podcast description from, you know, the content of the podcast. And it's been wildly helpful. Yep, so I thank you. I used it to rewrite all my website copy, you yeah. know, and then when I read it again, it was like, gosh, you know, it kept my tone of voice. I, I had to change a few things because there are some, I'm not going to spoil the fun for anyone, but there, there are some <laughs> aspects to how it responds that, you know, it sounds like a machine. So I do have to, to modify it. Yeah. Um, but I did, I, I also used it to rewrite all of my um, course descriptions. I mean, I just fed in the sil the syllabi for each of my courses and said, you know, here's what I have for my course descriptions. Can you give me something better? And yeah. um, I just got those online over the past couple of days. And the response has been a, much more positive <laughs> to, than the, the descriptions I had before. So um, I actually, I'm really looking forward. I think we're going to do that. We're going to do a, an overview of AI, I think in your community. Yes. I'm looking yes, in growth um, thriving practice. Yeah, I'm excited for that. That's going to be May, is it May 20th? No, May 18th. That's right. Is that right? Yeah. So for those of you who are already in 
grow a thriving practice. Um, Michelle's going to be doing an intro to AI for us all. It's going to be great. I'm excited for that. Yep. And I'll, I'll be offering those. Um, I think I'm offering it earlier in May um, for people who aren't in your practice, but you know, you have to pay for it. So you get benefits if you're in Jillian's community. Um, there you go. You'll get that one for free. Yep. All right. Um, tell us more about your, your classes. Oh yeah. Um, so that's, I think, um, one of the things you wanted, you wanted to talk about. And so I'm just going to go there because in a podcast, we, we talk about what we're going to talk about before we have <laughs> recording. Right? Um, you're going to ask me if I have a freebie and, um, I want to touch on that because it gets into my classes. Mm -hmm. I actually don't have a freebie right now, um, which is ironic because I know how important they are. Um, but I have two reasons for that. One is my business strategy is a little different. It's a little bit more complicated. I have um, two types of clients because I, I do still give biofield tuning sessions. I really enjoy it. It's just, I'm not doing it full time. So my website, it's a little hard on the algorithm because I'm, I'm splitting that across two types of clients. So I have to be a little bit more strategic about how I do that. So I'm probably gonna need some custom landing pages in order to to split up multiple freebies. But the other is um, that what I've been doing instead is I've been offering classes at a really low price. And now for some people, they can come and take a class and they get everything they need and off they go. And that's great. I love giving classes, so it's really fun for me. Um, but for other people, that's a way for me to find business. They can find out if they want to work with me and they can get an idea of the types of problems that I can solve. And so, you know, and this really aligns with my human design <laughs> profile for those of you who do human design, um, is that my way of finding work, my strategy is I go out and I show people what it is that I do and let them experience that. And then they would typically invite me um, to, to be a part and help them out. But I will be offering something. I, I, um, I'm still strategizing on what is that ideal you know, end product that I want to sell. Cause I, I really am enjoying these one-on-one -on -one interactions with people to kind of troubleshoot and problem solve for their business. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to do a, like a full-blown program, but that's the time where I would have to have a very um, well thought out funnel in order to lead people yeah. to. You have one yourself, Jillian. You I have do yourself. have one. Yeah. And um it's very automated. It's so it's so automated that if anyone who is currently in the program goes to my website and inputs their name and email address, my you know the automation is if they it will recognize that they're already in the program, so they won't get the sequence of you know I think it's like twelve I, emails. <laughs> because why would I why would I tell them all about my program and those emails if they're already a part of it? So if you're not in the program and you want to check out what a funnel looks like, you can go to jillianfaldmo.com, enter your name and email address into the, the freebie is harness your emotional awareness to grow your business. Um, and you will see that succession of emails um, and get to know me a little bit because I, um, I offer a little bit of my story. I offer some client stories um, and then tons of value, of course. <laughs> All right. So that's what I'm offering is high value, low price technology classes. And it's pretty well aligned with these problems I'm finding out there in the community. You know, when I'm on Instagram, I'm not, I'm not looking 
just at the performance of my own post, I'm looking to see what other people posting, especially the posts that are engaging, not, not the, not the posts that just, you know, have some music or a quote, but like, what are the, the posts that people are, are putting out there that is really engaging with the community? And is that making business problems come up? I'm looking for those, you know, I, I look in the Facebook group to see what are people struggling with and do I have anything that would be helpful there from that technical aspect. And then I put a class together, you know, so I have nine, I have nine classes right now and they're all like an hour, hour and a half long. So they, they're deep enough to walk away with, um, a good amount of information and skills. Um, but they're not, you know, overwhelmingly, you know, like it, they're, they're not, um, what's the word I want to use? They're not so immersive that you can't also work that day. You know, I mean that you can just fit it in and then go back, go back to work and take that with you. Um, that's the type of the stuff that I really love to do. Yeah. And I actually, right before we got on this, um, call, I added your um, information to the more resources section of my website. And I linked directly to that calendar of classes. So you you all can find it there or Michelle, what are some other ways for um, people to reach out to you or connect with you? Well, sure. My website is the best place to start because you can, you can get a really good idea of me and what I'm about by looking at, you know, just a few pages there. Um, you can look at the class schedule and there are some detailed descriptions of each of the classes. My website is thepracticalcatalyst.com. So good luck with that. Thepracticalcatalyst.com. <laughs> yes, yep. ma'am. Love it. Um, Love yep. It. And you can book what a else? half hour consultation on there. Um, if you're interested, even if you just want to take a class and you want to know who is it I'm going to be taking a class from, like, I don't, I don't mind book a consultation, get to know me. Um, I really enjoy consultations because it's fun to find out what other people are doing. And I refer business that way too, a lot of the time. So I don't mind if I've got availability, book one, let's talk. Um, otherwise your clients can find me on, um, Slack which I love. I love Slack. That is such a great way to, um, to get in touch because we can exchange screenshots of what's going on and uh, chat and we can attach videos and it's just, it's such a useful way to communicate. Awesome. Yes. So grow with thriving practice members. You can find Michelle McGough in Slack and everybody else go to thepracticalcatalyst.com to find her uh, calendar for classes and or also to book your consultation with her. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thanks, Jillian. This was fun. Really great. Yeah, I think that there's going to be a lot of people, um, you know, benefiting from just this podcast and hopefully they stay connected and learn some more from you. There's a lot to learn technology wise. So take advantage of it. One step at a time. Yes. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Are you a sound and energy medicine practitioner who wants to grow your business, but don't know where to start? Maybe you're feeling confused, overwhelmed. Maybe you're feeling self-doubt. Well, I've got the perfect resource for you and it's free. Head on over to JillianFaldmo.com to get the Harness Your Emotional Awareness to Grow Your Business Roadmap. It's a roadmap that's designed just for you 
to turn those emotions like confusion, fear, whatever it is that's stopping you from growing your business into emotions that will actually fuel the action to grow your business. You've got this. Head over to JillianFaldmo.com to claim it now. Thank you.